You know, maybe we need to, um, have, have any of y'all ever been like to Six Flags or Disney World or, you know, these amusement parks? You know, some of those rides, they have these signs on them. You know, you have to be a certain height to be able to ride the ride or, or it says if you have a heart condition, we do not recommend you ride this ride. Uh, maybe we should put some warning signs out in front of this church. It says, you know, if, if, if you come to this fellowship, you may be thrust on a plane to Uganda. Or, uh, you know, you may be, you know, catapulted with a group of, of musicians to Cuba, you know. We sing a song, what, where he leads me, I'll think about going. No, no, where he leads me, what, I will follow. I'll go with him, I'll go with him all the way. You know, we're supposed to, you know, truth in advertising. Maybe we do need to put some warning signs out there. Um, I'll tell you what, I think it's exciting. <laughs> you know, you just don't know. You come tonight, you may hear a testimony. You know, there were some people who, in, who were in Peru just what? I'm not going to mention any names. I'm just going to cast a casual glance. When, when, were y'all there just last week? It was just last week. So you just, you just never know what might happen. I wonder where God's going to send that joyful sound group to. <laughs> Canada. Alaska. Who knows? Who knows? We just, we just don't know. Where he leads me, I will follow, right? Where he leads me. You think I was preaching on missions, but that's not the, te the text tonight. Uh, turn your copy of God's Word to Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You know, one of the things I'm really grateful for um, this spring is rain. Um, I don't know if you've gotten a lot of rain at your house, but we've gotten a lot of rain at our house, and I'm very grateful for it. My... My yard appreciates it very much. And uh, I love mowing grass when it's green. Because I could remember days mowing grass when it was like straw. And it was like dust just going up all over the place. And, and you're having to mow it because, you know, the straw's getting high or whatever. Um, Matter of fact, I can remember when that happened years ago and the, the lawnmower started just giving me fits. And a neighbor of mine who's much more educated in mechanical things came by and as he was visiting with me, he said, you know, it sounds like your, your, your lawnmower's running kind of rich. Now, a lot of y'all know what that means, but I wasn't smart enough to exactly figure out what that meant. So I said, what do you, he said, it's not getting enough oxygen. About that time, the phone rang and Nancy hollered for me to come in to answer the telephone. So I went in to talk on the phone. And as I came back out, that, that lawnmower was going, Broom! I mean, it was running like a champ. And I said to my friend Lamar, I said, 
I said, what'd you do? He said, I just reached under that air filter and scraped off about two inches of dirt that you had accumulated. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. You know, it was interesting. He didn't say, you got an old sorry lawnmower, you need to get a new one. He didn't say, you know, you need to send that, that, that lawnmower to the shop and let somebody work on that thing. You know, he didn't, no, no, no. He just, he just reached under there, he said, and just scraped off that, you know, gunk. And it was running. You know, it's interesting when we look at this chapter in the book of, of Philippians that, the, that uh, the letter that Paul wrote to this fellowship of believers, he's not confronting these believers for some grievous, heinous sin that, that they've committed, either individually or as a fellowship. No, what, what Paul is doing, he's sensitively, he's writing to them in the hope and in the confidence that the, that the Holy Spirit is going to take these words and carefully, tenderly make an adjustment in their lives. See, Paul's desire is that this group, this body of believers in Philippi experience an attitude adjustment. And that because of their walk with Christ... The Holy Spirit could do some fine-tuning in their hearts and life. And now you may be confident tonight, and I hope you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ, but, but whether you feel it or not, more than likely, you need some fine-tuning. Let's look at this scripture here. It says in chapter 2, we'll go through it verse by verse. Verse 1 first, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray you'll take your word and tonight it'll led by your Spirit, will fine-tune our hearts, fine-tune our attitudes, so that we'll be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, think back when we were in our 20s and, and we were getting serious about dating our wives, or, I mean, well, you know, they weren't our wives yet, but they became our wives. But I don't know if y'all had a friend. I had a friend that, uh, well, he just really, you know, he wasn't really all that interested in, in pursuing a girlfriend. Matter of fact, he was kind of, he was kind of a sourpuss on the whole thing. And then one day, this friend of mine, who usually I'd pick at him and he'd kind of pick at me. You know what I mean? We're buddies. But I picked at him and he didn't even care anymore. He's kind of this big stupid grin on his face. Now this is weird. You know, because we always pick back at each other. And I, but now he's got this stupid grin 
And when I could used to, I could kind of gig him and irritate him. Oh, he, he didn't even get irritated anymore. Matter of fact, it was just like anything I'd say was just kind of going in one ear. I just kind of became irrelevant to him. Well, it didn't take this keen mind to figure out that the one who had always been so pessimistic about his future and how things were going to work out for him had fallen in love. Okay, he had a girlfriend. And now he was excited to talk about his future and, and not just his plans, their plans. And uh, the future looked bright to him now. He was excited. You know, used to, I had to like drag him to something social, you know. And now he's like, hey, John, you know what's happening Friday night? You know, that kind of thing. I'm like, well, yeah, sure. You know. His relationship with this gal had totally changed his attitude. And you know, you think about this scripture that we just read. For many of us, actually coming to know Jesus Christ, beginning to understand that we could actually have an ongoing relationship with Him was just about that radical. Think about that. We were... Perhaps, like my friend, discouraged, pessimistic, negative about past experiences that we had had in our life or about the way things had turned out. Maybe we were even skeptical about what our future was going to be like. But look at what this scripture says here. If you have any what? Encouragement from being united with Christ. Listen. If there's anything that Jesus is to us, He is an encourager. He is an encourager. He's a great encourager. He is the one who can, can take what is our past histories or even our, our current miseries. And He is the one that can say, listen, listen, I'm aware of it. I'll even receive those past failures that you've experienced. I'll pour my grace all over them because I love you. Granted, you may say in your heart today, man, I can't do that. I can't. And what Jesus would say to you is, listen, in me, with me in you, yes, you can. You may be afraid because of past failures. And he says, listen, listen, Realize this, I'm inside of you and you can never fail if you are walking in obedience to me, following my will. He's the encourager tonight. He's the one who says, you're going to make it. You're going to endure. I am with you every step of the way. You know, in all honesty, tonight, you may not feel, you may not feel loved. I mean, granted, you know, your mama loves you, your daddy loves you, your brothers and sisters tolerate, I mean, love you. You know, you've got people that you know love you. But maybe in your heart of hearts tonight, you're not like, man, I just feel in this time of worship that God really loves me. That, well, listen, Based on his word tonight, we should have no doubt about his love. He went to the cross. 
He died on the cross. He paid the penalty. And His love for us is real. It's solid. Now, you may have felt relationships with others and their love for you in the, in the past. It may have been fragile. It may have been temporary. It may have crumbled under the weight of, of, of life. But the relationship we have with Jesus Christ, look, that relationship cannot be demolished. It's based upon fellowship with who? Look, any common sharing, what? The Holy Spirit. This relationship that we have with Jesus Christ is based upon an incredible love with God Himself, the Holy Spirit, indwelling us, connecting us. He is constantly taking the initiative with us. And look at what it says in the latter part of that verse. In Jesus Christ, we've also received what? Affection, tenderness, compassion. Those don't sound like very masculine kind of things, but, but Jesus has towards us tenderness, affection, compassion. We tonight are not here and standing on a performance basis before Him. He knows just where we are. He knows what we've been through. He knows how He can touch our hearts like nobody else can. And when we meet Him, when we truly come to know Him, He changes our attitude. Our attitude can't help but change when you have a friend like Jesus. Look at the second verse. Look at that second verse. Look at what it says. It says, Now that you've experienced Jesus like this, verse 2, Then make my joy complete. By being what? Exactly. Like-minded. Having the same love. Being one in spirit and of one mind. See, Paul was so excited about what God was doing in the midst of that fellowship. He was thrilled to see God moving in the hearts and minds of, of the brothers and sisters in that fellowship. But... But he says something that's interesting here. He says that his joy would be complete. Indicating it's not complete yet. It, my joy would be complete if they were unified. Paul's desire is that a, a unity of, of mind, of heart, of spirit, and purpose. Now... There's not, if you read the book of, uh, of Philippians, there's not any obvious factions in that church. Okay? So there's not an there's not a obvious faction that, that he's addressing, but what he is saying is that, that something's lacking. Okay? So I ask you tonight, I mean, it's exciting what God is doing in our church. We're just, it's incredible. It's miraculous, right? It is. But here's my question. Is it our heart's desire as a church tonight to make the heart of Jesus 
sing with joy over us. Is that our desire tonight? To cause Him, the Lord Jesus, just to, to delight over this fellowship and, and all that He's doing through us. Well, then according to, to what Paul is telling us tonight, then we must be of, of one mind, one love, one spirit, one purpose. You see, I see in verse 3 and 4 that there, there's a danger to a new attitude. A danger to a new attitude. Look at this, verses 3 and 4. He says, right on the heels of this, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. See, there, there are dangers even with a new attitude. See, he warns us here of, of selfishness and conceit. The desire to actually look out for number one can kind of creep back into our lives. And nothing is more ugly or alarming than self-centered living, masquerading behind Jesus. See, even though the Lord has given us a new attitude, sometimes we become imbalanced. And what I mean by that is we think that the things the Lord has emphasized in our life should be emphasized to the same degree in everybody else. See, what is righteous, what is holy, what is good can actually become an area of selfishness. What began as a sincere ministry can be, become a source of pride. It can, can become a wedge that drives between others in the body. And see, I know about this personally because, um, see, I used to beat people over the head with the ministry of evangelism. I try not to do that anymore, but I, I used to do it quite frequently. It, was just, it would just come up in me. If I was talking to a Christian, say we were met over at McDonald's or something, and we were talking, and, and just we're getting to know a new brother in Christ. And if I discovered that they were a Christian, but they weren't witnessing, they weren't sharing their faith, well, I would sure do my best to make them feel guilty. You know? Uh, and uh, why did I do that? Why would I want to make you feel guilty? Because of what Paul says here, selfishness, conceit. See, good spiritual ministry can be a source of pride and division. Somebody might stand up here tonight and give a testimony, okay? It'd be terrible. I mean, this, I'm saying how it could be terrible. But somebody can get up here testimony tonight and give a, a, uh, about how they feel called to work with the children, okay? Well, you would think that'd be wonderful. Everybody would say, praise God. But then maybe somebody else stands up and goes, no, man, I feel called to work with the youth. And you're going, I sense a little tension in the room here. 
And somebody says, no, I'm, I'm called to work with young couples. And I've seen God do this. And you're going, they're, they're kind of bragging about which is more important. Paul is reminding that we're to be what? Of one spirit, of one heart. And he's warning us about the dangers. He says, somebody might say, you know, I, I, I feel called and led to feed the hungry. Isn't that wonderful? We should feed the hungry. Or I feel called to have a jobless ministry, ministry to those who are looking for work. The ministries or causes are important. They're all important. But if they become our personal interest, then it becomes a possible danger. That's what Paul's warning them about. In humility, value others above yourself. Finally, he says in this text, how do we do that? If, if, if even though we have a new attitude, we could fall off the boat, so to speak, what are we to do? Well, he, he gives us the answer. Look at verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, what? Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. You know, if... If we have our focus on anything other than Jesus, then it's going to become, you know, it's going to become excessive. You know, we could, we could go off on any kind of direction. But if, if, if our focus is on our relationship with Jesus Christ and having the attitude like Jesus, then he is going to keep our relationships in balance. In a way that honors him. Look at what the scripture says. Who being in very nature God. Did not consider equality with God. Something to be used. To his own advantage. Paul tells us. That we're to have that same attitude Jesus had. And Jesus existed eternally with God. Jesus is God. All the attributes that are true of God are true of Jesus. He is equal with God. But he didn't look at that position of power, wealth, significance as something to cling on to. And think about this tonight, brothers and sisters. Every one of you in this room Every one of us in this room is just as significant. Every one of us in this room is just as powerful. Okay? Every one of us in this room tonight is, is just as wealthy to God. Okay? That is true. But the question isn't that. The question is, do we try to grab hold of that? Are we trying to cling to that? 
Hopefully we're saying, Lord, it's you I love. It's you I serve. I'm not concerned that I'm equal with everyone else in this room. My concern is not my position. See, Jesus wasn't grasping at his position and in what? Neither should we. Neither should we. Look at what happened. Look at, read on in this verse. He says, rather, he didn't grasp, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So we see here this attitude that Jesus had. How did he do it? He didn't cling to his position, but he actually what? He emptied himself and became a bondservant. He emptied himself and became a bondservant. Jesus left heaven and he became a man. But he not only became a man, he became a bondservant. Is that our attitude? Is that my attitude? Is that why I'm here tonight? Am I here tonight to be your bondservant, to serve you? Is that why you're here tonight? Are we here to serve one another or to be served? We see the, the attitude of Jesus. He didn't cling to his position and he emptied himself. And finally, we see, read the text. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus' attitude, Jesus was willing to die for people. Jesus was willing to die for me, for you. Jesus was obedient to God and he loved you and he loved me so much he was willing to die. Is that our attitude? Are, are, we, are we willing to die for one another? You say, preacher, uh, of course not. And if, and if that's our honest answer, that just shows how far we have to go and grow to have the attitude of Jesus. Okay? The scripture says that Jesus... Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus was exalted by the Father. But I ask you as I close tonight, I ask you to consider... Just like Paul, he was so excited about what God was doing in the life of the Philippians. And he really had no criticism for them. But he asked them, do you want to make my joy complete? Do you want to make the heart of Jesus 
sing tonight. Then he said, then we need to be unified in mind, heart, and spirit and purpose. Our selfishness must be overcome by having the attitude of Jesus Christ, not grasping position, but being a bondservant to each other, humbling ourselves before each other, committing love and obedience, willing ultimately to die for each other. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Each one of us tonight need an attitude adjustment. Now, I didn't need a new mower. I didn't need a new engine. And neither do we. The engine we have inside of us is Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the one that lives inside us. We don't need a new engine. He's more than enough. He's got enough horsepower to pull off in our life. All we need for Him to do is just make the adjustments that He wants to do. And maybe tonight He just needs to take His fingernails and scratch that dust off from around that air filter, you know? Maybe He needs to unscrew your spark plug and brush it off. Whatever. I don't know. You know, I'm not that mechanical. That's about as far as I can go, okay? But we want him tonight to make any adjustment so that our attitude is just like his. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge every time we open and listen. And Lord, we just invite you to transform us. We've been around long enough to know we can't make the change. But we realize, too, that you have the power to transform our lives. So, Lord Jesus, we pray now during this time of invitation that we'll listen to you, that we'll make the commitments you're inviting us to make. In Jesus' name. Amen.